We made this. You're listening to Free With This Month's Issue. As always, please support the bands and artists featured in each episode by buying their records and going to their gigs. Each episode we'll be adding all available tracks to our ongoing Spotify playlist, which you can find on WeDidPodcast.com. You can also find our other episodes and podcasts there. If you want to agree with us or more likely argue with us or even appear in a future episode, you can find us on Twitter at This Month's Issue and Facebook at Free With This Month's Issue. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, then let people know. Like, subscribe, review it on iTunes, tattoo it on your forehead, etc. Right, let's get on with it then. Hello, welcome to Free With This Month's Issue, the podcast where we listen to old free CDs and tapes from magazines like Kerrang, Enemy, Metal Hammer, Q, that sort of thing, and find the various horrors and delights within. I'm Colin, and with me, as always, is my co-host Ian. Hello. Hello. And Ian, we are back for a second week this month, which is unusual, but we have the same guest. No, months usually have four weeks in them. True, but we don't normally have four episodes in them. We don't. We never have four episodes in them. No, uh, I'm not doing that much editing. So yeah, we've got Steve again, haven't we, from Crang Back Issues podcast? We have. How exciting with this this tie up that we're doing. Is it's a tie up or is it not? Because like we're not tied to Steve. Steve is tied to us at this point. <laughs> uh, just to just to clarify here, I'm not in your dungeon. I am at home. <laughs> I am I am safe for everyone that's listening. <laughs> I'm not tied up. I'm okay. <laughs> Don't call the police, it's fine. <laughs> Blink once if... <laughs> See, the yeah. thing is, we were recording this several several days before you hear this, so <laughs> yeah, by he, then he might was be. fine. <laughs> <laughs> Ominous. Right. Uh, <laughs> that was a great start. <laughs> this, this start is even better than uh, last week's start. <laughs> this week I've been kidnapped. Talk about old crappy old rock. Brilliant. <laughs> Beautiful. So, Stephen, what tape are we talking about, even though we've already said it? This week, we are talking about Supersonic Volume 2. We which are. Which came with the Kerrang! issue uh, 600 and... What was it? 608? No. Uh, hold on. I've got it here. 618. 17. What was it? Where's the number? Oh, where is the number? It's 619. There we go. Okay, cool. And it's the 19th of October, 1996. I've got that Great bit. I can find the date. Music. <laughs> yeah. So, music news that month. There was a riot during a Pearl Jam gig in Connecticut when fans tried to climb over barriers to get close to the stage. Former Smashing Pumpkins drummer Jimmy Chamberlain is given a conditional discharge by police for being in possession of a controlled substance following the overdose that resulted in the death of their keyboard player, Jonathan Melvoin. And Van Halen disappoint everybody by announcing that their new singer is Gary Sharon from Extreme, despite there being lots of rumours earlier than that that it was going to be Dave Lee Roth that was back in the band. Gary Sharon's a good singer, man. He is, but he's not Dave Lee Roth, and he doesn't work as well for, for Van Halen. This is true. He needs to stick with Extreme for their first three albums, which are the ones that are worth listening to. Albums released that month, Marilyn Manson's Antichrist Superstar, John Spencer Blues Explosion, Now I Got Worry, Counting Crows Recovering the Satellites, Corrosion of Conformity, Wiseblood, Swan's Soundtracks for the Blind, Dark Thrones, Goat Lord, Mazzy Star, Among My Swan, and the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack. On tour that month, uh, Moby, supported by Ultraviolence, Nada Surf, 
Honeycrack, Manic Street Preachers, Three Colours Red, Symposium, Marduk and Rachel Stamp. The UK number one single was Words by Boyzone and the album was simply read Greatest Hits, so it was some kind of horrific dystopia. In the magazine, Corn were on the cover. There's interviews with No Doubt, Alice in Chains, Cathedral and Skunk and Nancy, plus reviews of Antichrist Superstar, Tools Aenema and Counting Crows Recovering the Satellites. Interestingly, with the Counting Crows album getting a better score than uh, the Tool record. Mm. which I'm not sure if Kerrang would look back on that and agree necessarily. <laughs> Sorry, the tour album Anima gets the same amount of Ks, which is three Ks, as Motel California by Ugly Kid Joe. Yes. <laughs> which is a good album. Yeah. It's not as good as, as Anima, for no. sure, but, you know, it's got Sandwich on it. Yeah, it's got Sandwich on it. That's true. No, but it hasn't a... got Neighbour on it. That was that was their best song. Neighbor. Yeah, Brilliant. yeah, Neighbour is the best one. But like, yeah. fucking Sandwich. Oh, I love that. <laughs> but yeah, if you want to hear a lot more about that particular issue of Kerrang, then if you haven't already, which you should have, then listen to this week's episode of Kerrang Back Issues, because Stephen's already read through it all, and it came out a few days ago. One thing I've got to say about these tapes before we begin is that I've really noticed that Kerrang, especially from doing Volume 1 last week, they've really upped the ante on the quality with these tapes. Yes. Because the ones that we've done before, I think we did Rare, and was it uh, New Metal Messiahs? Like, both of those tapes were okay, but I just don't... They just didn't really have, like, a ton of great stuff. But I think that that tape that we did last week, Volume 1, there's so many good songs on it. Yeah. It's also, like... They've, they've got songs that have from albums that haven't come out that people want to hear as well. It's not just some sort of like throwaway B-side or some, like, some like, you know, crappy song the band didn't want. It's actually like decent stuff from the bands. Yeah. Like decent singles that bands have released. It's, yeah, really, yeah. it's really noticeable how much they've like really upped the ante with these tapes. Yeah, definitely. Because, yeah, the, the previous one, Rare, because Karan cares, they're advertising it as a rare tape. And the majority of it were just album tracks from stuff that had come out, you know, six months earlier. So, I think I think we said that, didn't we? When yeah, we, yeah. Re, when we reviewed that, we just said, this tape is called Rare, but it's not actually that much rare stuff on it. It's no, it was, I, I think it was about... You maybe can find f- elsewhere. Maybe 40% of the tracks on there were actually rare. But, uh, yeah. right, let's go for Supersonic Volume 2, track one. So this is Ash and Hulk Hogan Bubble Bath live. The studio version of this was originally the B-side to Ash's third single, Uncle Pat, from their trailer mini-album two years earlier. This live track was recorded two months earlier at the Eurokinese de Belfort Festival in France, where Ash played alongside David Bowie, Foo Fighters, Sepultura, Skunk and Nancy and Ministry. It's a scrappy as fuck live recording. Yeah. But... It really reminds me of the early Muse B-sides, stuff like Agitated. That was the song that they quite famously played at Glastonbury and ended up picking each other up and jumping into the drum kit. Ah, uh, yes, I saw that. So you know what I said um, at the start of this podcast about how Kerrang! have like, really upped the ante and added some really good songs and done some really good stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I've changed my mind <laughs> on this one. I think this is a pointless instrumental. I think it should have stayed in the live arena and as a B-side. And I think, um, I love 1977. 
I just think this is a really silly way to open Supersonic Volume 2. Yes. Because it's not a great song, but it's an instrumental. And I don't think it really represents Ash to people that might not have heard them at this point. I mean, I can't believe that there's that many people that haven't heard Ash in 1996 because they were everywhere. I, I so, think yeah. the reason that their track won is because Ash were big at the time. They were just yeah. blowing up. There was a lot of hype about them. But this is the start of something that we've mentioned a lot of Ash putting out really shit B-sides as their songs on free CDs and tapes. Yeah. This is the eighth appearance of Ash on one of our episodes. So they must have known that Feeder were on the previous tape and were like, well, we need to be on there as well because there'll be a podcast in nearly 30 years' time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we need to even the score. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Also, like you said, Ash's B-sides were rubbish, but Feeder's B-sides were incredible. Yes, So definitely. Yeah, strange. The rest of the tape actually gets a lot better, so don't any of the listeners be put off. This just really put me off straight away, and I actually don't really remember this tape at the time. I think I obviously had it, and I owned it, and I've probably listened to it, but I think because the first one had that Feeder song, uh, shade and good god corn yeah i maybe at the time didn't give this tape as much attention as that other one because those two songs blew me away so much so oh. like i like listening back to this now it's almost like i'm hearing it for the first time this tape i think at the time i just used to rewind it and repeatedly listen to side two of this tape because i don't the, right. there's, there's tracks yeah. i don't remember as well on on side one but i've got very vivid memories of of nearly all of side two so is that when uh volume two gets spooky because this yes. is uh, quite a spooky tape well there, there's there's yeah, there's i mean there's some stuff. spooky stuff coming up in a couple of tracks time but the next true. song is yeah very true this is the we'll, we'll go for the next song the second song is what i would have put as the opening track of the tape to be honest but uh yeah let's let's go for it here we go <laughs> This is Reef, and I would have left you. I think this is probably in Reef's top two tracks, along with Summers in Bloom. Kenwin House and Jack Besant are just so locked together on the choruses. Mm. It's, the, the groove on it is absolutely amazing. I love it. And uh, I, I remember loving it at the time on the, on the tape as well. And, yeah, it would have made such a better opener than that weird Ash aimless jam. 100%. Yeah, I feel like the Ash song should have maybe been at the end of the tape. Yeah. Rather than the, rather than the start. But like, anyway, we're not talking about Ash. <laughs> we're, we're on to Reef. I think at this point, especially in like 96, you either liked Reef or you didn't. Yeah. I think this was before Glow came out, I believe. Yes, it, I was, think this, it was slightly before. Glow was out in January, wasn't it? January 97, I think it was. Yeah, and, and Place Your Hands was just 
about to be released as a single. Yeah. So we'll have started getting... I, th I think there's an advert for it in that particular issue of Kerrang. So yes. that will have been getting airplay at that point because that was a hit straight away. Yeah, and that was... that was. I mean, that's their biggest song, wasn't it? That's yeah. Oh, God, all, all, always massive. has been, always will be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think... Um, I, I've never really... I've never had a problem with Reef. I always quite like them. They weren't a band that I bought the albums of. I always enjoyed them when I heard them. Yeah. You know, I think Kerrang loved them at the time as well. They were always in Kerrang. Very much on the, uh, as we were talking about in last week's episode, very much in the sort of Wild Hearts, Three Colours Red, like vein. In the, they were just really liked by the editors. Yes. Kerrang, and they were just always in there. Which, you know, obviously it's going to happen. Same thing like Terrorvision is they have mates and bands, so they're going to stick them in their magazine. You know, it's fair enough. I would have pr probably done the same. God, I mean, you could always count on Terrorvision for you know, good interviews and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Oh, there, there was a, a news story in the episode you put out this week about Gary Stringer getting into a fight in a pub. Yeah. <laughs> Basically print anything about them. No, no, but it sounds like in that fight they actually looked after themselves and did quite well. Yeah. Um, apparently <laughs> the other guy came out worse off because it was all their mates in the pub kicked shit out of them. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> And apparently the other guy started it anyway because he was calling them pop stars and being a twat. So, you know. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Stepped out of line. Absolutely. Right, let's go for the next song. This is Paradise Lost and Embers Fire live at Donington 1996. Absolutely brilliant song, but it is totally let down by the recording. Yeah. I get that it would have been a particularly big win for, for Kerrang! to have an exclusive live track from the Donington set a few months earlier, but it sounds like it was recorded by someone in the audience with, with a tape recorder. Um, yeah, the, it's not good, is it? The quality's not good. And Karang says in their little blurb that this isn't available anywhere else. Yeah, and it never. And I can understand why. Ne never <laughs> has just, been. It's not. No, it's just not good quality, is it? It, it does sound like a bootleg. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's a little bit faster than the studio version. Yeah, it kind of ruins the feel of the original like, studio version for me. Yeah. But. So it, this is the it's the opening track on Icon which is their fifth record, which they're re-releasing... Well, they're not even re-releasing it. They're doing a Taylor's version where they're re-recording it to re-release in uh, December this year. Oh, that'd be interesting. 30th anniversary. I, I, I think from what I was reading that they got a bit screwed over with the rights to it. Uh. So that's why they're re-recording it. Uh, that's, that's my understanding, hence it being a Taylor's version. Um, I wonder which one will sell more, Paradise Lost's Icon or the uh, Taylor version of 1989. The jury's out on that one. Well, I've only, 
I've only got one of them pre-ordered, but I am tempted to order the Paradise Lost one as well. Ah, <laughs> oh, spoilers, Colin. You gave that away then. There's absolutely no shame in Taylor Swift. No, uh, I think absolutely she's brilliant. I, I own all of her records, and I got tickets to see in Cardiff next year. Nice. So, yeah, I, I, I got one for London. I'm very excited. Yeah. <laughs> I only, I've only seen her once before, and it was on the 1989 tour in Manchester. And do you know what? She is incredible live. She just puts on an amazing show. Yeah. And yeah. I, I've not Brilliant. got to see just, her live yet, so uh, very much looking forward to it. But I am going to see the Eras tour uh, at the cinema in a few weeks' time as well. So, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I haven't got tickets for that. I love the real Taylor Swift fans yes. yep. on, a, on a Kerrang tape, you know, talking about, yeah, Metal, Paradise Lost. Now let's talk about Taylor I'd Swift. I'd also like to point out that Paradise <laughs> Lost are fucking brilliant and I absolutely love them as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's I, no denying that, but I, I would I would probably pick Taylor Swift over <laughs> Paradise Lost. <laughs> I've, I've met Aaron a couple of times and he is, like, fucking joyful. Like, he is such a lovely... Cheerful yeah. man. Awesome. I like that. Which is the absolute opposite of how Paradise Lost were painted right. yeah. forever. That they were a bunch of miserable bastards. I, I completely ruined uh, one of the other radio hosts on the station I used to DJ on's interview because we were like trading off questions. I was like, hey, Aaron, you're using bare knuckle pickups in your guitars, aren't you? And he was like, yes. And he was gone for like fucking 10 minutes. <laughs> and the other DJ's looking at me like, you motherfucker. <laughs> I've got loads of questions and we've run out of time because he's talking about fucking guitar pickups, you dick. Brilliant. Yeah. I try my best. (laughs) Right, let's go for the next track. Okay. This is Floodgate and Till My Soil. We had Running With Sodden Legs yep. on Brutal Bunch 4 that we did with Westy a couple of years ago. And I don't think I liked it at the time. You I didn't. Th- you were quite mean about it. I really I, liked it at the time. And This, however, is fucking ace. I really, really dig this track. I might have to re-listen to Running With Sodden Legs and uh, see if I can re-evaluate it and, with, you know, different ears. You can really, really see the fact that Anselmo stole his down vocal it's, style from yeah. this dude. It is so down, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I didn't even think of that. Did the first down record come out yet? Uh, possibly, but like Anselmo actually specifically said that he was he influenced by this guy. Right, okay, cool. Yeah, because is it Carl Thomas? He was in uh, Exorder, I think it was. Yeah, right. Before Floodgate. Yeah, the, I never actually put those two together, but like the down connection, like vocally, really makes sense. Maybe not. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe a little bit musically as well. Which is, is it, I really like down, but uh, this, this song leaves me a little bit. Uh, I, I saw I saw Floodgate support Sepultura, uh, Brixton. Yeah. That that December, it's like 1996, and I just felt very 
meh watching them. I felt like nothing really happened with the songs. They didn't yeah. really, they sort of just started, they sort of went along, flatlined and then ended. Yeah. And I felt that listening to this kind of, it doesn't really go anywhere. Like it's a good groove, you know, like it's a, you know, decent enough track. It just sort of meanders a bit and doesn't really, yeah. Yeah. There's not really, I can there's see not that. Really anything there that like hooks me in. There's nothing that really like captivates me and makes me want to go back and listen to it more. Yeah, I really like the riff on this one. I, I do think yeah. that's a, that is a great sort of stoner doom riff. Um, but yeah, let's go for the next song. Sure, sure. So this is NY Loose and Detonator. I dig this. I don't remember it having much impression on me at the time, but I know Speedawax Records put out a reissue of it a couple of years ago, so I might have to track one of them down. Mm. It's, uh, it, it's Speedawax. Yeah, I know. I know that label. They used to put out like mad colours of um, like punk bands, yes, and hardcore bands from the UK. Yeah, it's it's run by a guy called Rich from Ignite Records in Birmingham. Uh, yeah, uh, he has this superhuman ability to. He knows his customers so well that you go in and he will put a record on that you've never heard before, but you are going to buy it and it's going to be one of your favourite records ever. Um, it's got me into so much Amazing. stuff over the years. But yeah, yeah. Th- this is ace. I like this song. I like this song. I think it's good. It just sounds like a sort of New York punk band covering. It's like a female-fronted indie band at the time. It's just like a good splice in together. It's yeah, like, yeah, it's great. I think it's a harmless song, isn't it? It's, um, it's a good, fun, punky yeah, blast. Yes. There we go. It's all you need sometimes. Yeah. Let's go for the uh, the last song on this side. So this is The Dawn and Losing Streak. This is so dull. If this is The Dawn, then it's a good excuse for having a lion. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, this, this is a band where whenever they put their gig posters up, somebody should have gone and graffitied it and changed the D to a Y. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Did you write notes for this? I always write notes. Ah, Yes. <laughs> Uh, I didn't write that one down. I just came up with that while we listened to it then. That was good. That was good off the cuff. I mean, all I got with this song was hints of Blind Melon and Black Sabbath. And that's it. But nowhere near as good as either of them. No. Oh, my God. Not even in the same ballpark. So yeah. there, was, just... th- there was a report in Kerrang! a few weeks earlier about a Corrosion Conformity gig where Metallica was strongly rumoured to be doing a secret set re- supporting them. And then it turned out to be the dawn. Can I just fucking imagine 
how disappointed you would be. Yeah, that was at the garage, I think. Yeah. Uh, the hybrid garage, yeah. Yeah, that's it. I think this band, from what, I, from what I looked into about them, they supported Corrosion to Conformity, and then they disappeared, and that was it. Good. So yeah, they got killed by a they, bunch of Metallica they fans. Signed, <laughs> they were signed to Rough Trade, which is really not what you would... I wouldn't put them and Rough Trade Records together. Bit of a strange one. No, but also, it's, that's, that's a label that doesn't tend to show up on Kerrang! CDs very no. often. No, it's because they keep signing rock bands that sound like this. <laughs> well, it's true. God, it, let's go for the next one, because let, let's flip the tape over to the side that I did used to listen to repeatedly. Oh, we need a palate cleanser, we do. don't we? She's in love with herself. She likes the dark. And on her milk white neck, the devil's mark. Now it's all hollow. So, this is typo negative. Black number one, Little Miss Scareall, US studio edit. Yeah. It's uh, so much shorter than the album. It is. Uh, obviously, this is one of, if not the best track on the tape. Easily. But it is a really odd choice of a track because this was the lead single from Bloody Kisses that came out three years earlier. Yep. They just released October Rust a couple of months earlier. So it's very weird that they didn't go for a track from October Rust. Mm. Maybe it was a rights issue. Maybe they just couldn't get anything from the new album. Yeah, but yeah, it is, it is a strange Brutal one. Bunch 3, which came out the same month for Metal Hammer, had Wolfmoon on it. So I wonder yeah. if Metal Hammer had an exclusive deal as having a new uh, typo negative track. Yeah, maybe. Maybe because this one was like, oh, no, we're just going for niche, more rare stuff. And yeah. here's a radio edit that no one really gives a fuck about because the original song has got, like, five minutes' worth of extra coolness. <laughs> but this this would have definitely helped encourage newer fans to get hold of Bloody Kisses. It did. It did. It, yeah, it did with me as well. I, I bought their entire back catalogue. In fact, it, there was a, a market stall in Hinkley when I was at college that I went one week, bought one record from there, then the next week bought the next one in over a space of three weeks just collected their entire previous back catalogue up until October Rust ah. I don't think it gets talked about enough when people talk about this song but there's a harpsichord breakdown yes yep. it's just so amazing it's so perfect and it's and then it just like launches back in but you just don't expect to hear that in like uh, like a rock band of the 90s a harpsichord but that's, <laughs> that's why Type of Negative was so good they yeah. <laughs> just do things like that oh, it's just this song is just brilliant, isn't it? It's such a banger. It's such a classic, like, rock song. Yeah. And it, it's funny as well at the same time. So funny, yeah. Like, Pete Steele was just... It's just so tongue-in-cheek, yeah. everything he did. Like, every interview he ever gave, just... he came across as one of the funniest people. Just tongue-in-cheek so edgelord. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, everything he said was just the driest thing, wasn't it? But, like, so hilarious. I saw a video clip yeah. of him, like, literally yesterday on Jerry Springer and he just walks in sits down yeah. and he's like hey Pete are you happy to be here and he just goes I'm less sad <laughs> I, I've noticed a resurgence of typo negative videos coming up on my YouTube playlist recently good 
it's a brilliant thing, but I wonder if somebody's suddenly uploading them and they're going viral or something. If Who? we've both had that appearance I've, last week. Yeah, maybe. I've noticed the resurgence of type of negative just in the world. Yeah. There's um, a lot of like bootleg t-shirt companies yes. have been putting out type of negative mm. stuff. And I've just been seeing type of negative shirts like in the wild a lot more. And they were always like a really sort of like, they were a real, they were a niche band yeah. in the 90s. They were like a niche, niche band. I remember yeah. like at the rock clubs, it was always like about seven goths would come out and dance the type of negative <laughs> and then scuttle back to their cave or back to their Newcastle Brown <laughs> Ale Corner or whatever. But like they seem like they're a big rock band now. They're not big by any means, but like as like underground status goes, I just feel like the past few years I've heard people talking about them so much more than I ever did before. It's really strange. Really strange what bands like come back like into sort of circulation. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, it's great that they are doing because, you know, if, if new people are getting oh, into course. them, that can only be a good thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's go for the next song. Time Pissed on and grey flat. Typo negatives, younger siblings. Yep. Basically. We have already discussed this song. The video was part of the enhanced CD that was in Radio Kerrang Volume 2. Ah, we've talked yes. about it with Ben Crudgington on episode 39. As I said at the time, I think this is definitely their, their best song. It's utterly brilliant. Mm-hmm. Supported them 20-something years ago with, with my first band and they were really lovely people as well. Nice. Yeah. That is good. That is nice. I had absolute nostalgia listening to this song. And one of those bands that I sort of had forgotten about. But this song, like we were, I feel like we're talking about rock clubs quite a lot yeah. in these past two podcasts, but this was a rock club classic. Every single like every single time I went to like my local one, this one would be played. Um, and again I think when all the spooky kids had come out from their holes for type of negative, this would be on this would be on next. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they'd all stay. <laughs> And this is, oh, it's just brilliant, isn't it? I love, like, they're even, like, sort of 80s hair metal vocals, but over, like, type of negative kind of style. Mm, it's just brilliant. Yeah. It works. It's such a great song. It's such a brilliant song. I, I hadn't thought of that, but, yeah, there is definitely... They they sort of have the feel of, like, an older band who have adapted their style. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Like, they're very sort of, like... You could imagine that sort of like Cinderella Motley Crue. <laughs> you can imagine them looking looking like that. I know that they did them. But you can imagine them with like big bouffanty hair, <laughs> just because of the way the vocals sound. And obviously they don't. Now, but it's just na- uh, now got an, I did get that. Now I've got an image of Henry Font with uh, loads of sort of hairspray in his hair, which... loads of peroxide yeah, yeah. and a uh, leather and like spandex. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> that Brilliant. would not suit him as a look. 
Not in any way, no. <laughs> right, let's go for the uh, the next song, leaving the uh, the goth section behind and going to the imperial section. <laughs> This is Imperial Drag and Breakfast by Tiger, Kiss It All Goodbye, or it's just credited as Breakfast on the uh, the back of the tape. This is another song that I absolutely love. This was Roger Joseph Manning and Eric Dover from Jellyfish. This was their, their band after that, in between Eric Dover being the singer in Slash's Snake Pit. So basically, Jellyfish split up, they formed a new band, which later became Imperial Drag, but then Eric Dover left for a bit to go and tour with, with Slash. As you, as you probably would. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, th- this is one of those bands that followed what Manic Street Preachers said they were going to do, which was release one brilliant album before splitting up. You know, like Human Waste Project, Live to Experience, Postal Service, Temple of the Dog and Life Without Buildings, they've all done the same thing. I love this album. Maybe all the other bands are just waiting for the brilliant album. <laughs> Is the rest of the album like this? Yes. Because I really like the song. I really, really like it. I really like that melody that runs through it. You can tell that they're good songwriters. Yeah. There's, there's, there's something about it. Like We were talking before about The Dawn yeah. and how that was like a laid-back song, but it had nothing to it. It had no like gut. Had, like There was nothing going mm. on. But this song, there's, there's something there. There's like yeah. a... It's really hard to put your, my finger on what it is. There's something about that song. In a weird way, it kind of reminds me of like the start of like an American rom-com and like the protagonist is waking <laughs> up and having breakfast and getting in their car and driving to school or something. You could imagine that but song being the soundtrack to like, it. Like, I, I, could <laughs> I don't know why. I could imagine it being something that. like Dazed and Confused because it's, it, it, yeah. it's got the kind of 70s sort of sound to it. Yeah. Do you ever listen to Jellyfish? I've never listened to Jellyfish, no, I I really need to after this. Jellyfish's Spilt Milk album is utterly fantastic. It's like a less annoying queen is how I've always described it. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they've got absolutely amazing arrangements and harmonies all over it and stuff like that. Jellyfish are on Spotify, you'll be able to find them. Imperial Drag is, you'd need to buy a CD or find it on YouTube. It's not available on Spotify or Apple Music or anything like that, as far as I'm aware. But uh, it's worth getting. You'll probably be able to pick up the album on Discogs for about 50p or something. But it's uh, it's definitely worth it. It's it's a fantastic album. Yeah, this is like you said. This was such a a, like change after Type of Negative and Pissed On to go into this song. It's like such a like 360, but. Brilliant! I love it. I'm really, I was really like blown away. Like, I think the first time I listened to it on this tape, it kind of just washed over me. But after like a few listens, it really starts to get into your brain, yeah. and it really started to like earworm me. And I was like, ah, this is good. It's really stuck out. It's really, really stuck out. Pretty sure yeah. I hated it at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, I can't even remember listening to this at the time. Oh, so, God, I definitely <laughs> did. This, this, this side of this tape, absolutely loathed. I think I listened to side two of Supersonic Volume 2 more than any of the other three sides of Supersonic Volume 1 and 2. Mm. Uh, I, I did listen to the whole tape for Volume 1 quite a lot, but yeah, Supersonic Volume 2, side 2, I add on so often. Right, let's go for the next song of the Imperial section. Bless us. is Imperial Teen with Imperial Teen. I really dig this. It's Roddy Bottom from Faith No More's side projects, but it really reminds me of the Breeders, particularly the female 2341 vocals in the second chorus onwards. Yeah. I, I had to check that it wasn't Kim Deal on guest vocals. Um, it isn't, but uh, it is great. The 2341 bit is the bit that always sticks in my head from this song. Like up to there, it's a little bit flat, but then as soon as that comes in, it, it elevates it and uh, makes it great, I reckon. I think it's a really nice song. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what I wrote in my notes. Nice song. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't really write. I don't really get too much more about this. Apparently, as a band, they sporadically have been releasing music until about 2019. Yes. They just sort of get together, like, I guess, when their other bands aren't doing stuff and just do mm. stuff and release a record and go their own separate ways. It's quite cool. It's quite a good way to run a band. Yeah. Yeah. Do it when they can be bothered. It's <laughs> nice. Got a bit of time. Let's go to the studio. Let's do some gigs. Yeah. 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 I like it. I mean, it's, you would never in a million years think that this was Ruddy Bob. No. Like, thing, would you? Like, knowing, like, what you know and, like, Faith No More, it's just such a... It's such a departure. Like, you hear, like, Mike Patton solo stuff, you can kind of be like, okay, yeah, fair enough, I get it, because it's, you know, similar vein, but not that similar. But this is just such a departure. I, I, but I like I, that. I, I suppose the difference is it's very hard to disguise Mike Patton's voice. Yes. Because yeah, true, it, true. it's so distinctive and so insane. Whereas in, in this, yeah, he's true. Uh, Roddy Bottom rather than playing keyboards like he is in Faith No More, he's singing and playing guitar. So that's obviously very yeah. different. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's but true. it works. I like it. It works. Yeah, it definitely does. Definitely does. Got any thoughts on this one, Ian? I wasn't that fussed by it. No, <clears> I didn't think you would be. Definitely wouldn't have been as a kid. Oh, fuck no. I fucking <laughs> hated it. I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's go for the next one then. This is DBH and reduced. 
the Liverpool hardcore band formed decades before Detroit Become Human video game was released. So I can only assume that their band is named after their love of the 1992 Goldie Horn movie Death Becomes Her. Because I couldn't yeah, find totally. anything else that sounded like DBH stood for. Uh, there's not much info on the band online. I remember their logo. I remember seeing that on as a support band for loads of people. Yeah, they supported everyone, mm. didn't they? Yeah. And, and the same. I couldn't really find anything about them. Um, Kareem, in their blurb, says they sound like Korn. I don't think they sound anything like Korn. They've definitely got a little um, bit of a new metal kind of swing yeah. to it. Yeah, I, I guess so. But, like, I just don't... Yeah, new that, metal, yes, Korn. No, no I don't. See, sure, I, I sure. can see Korn because I think that riff's not that far away from fate. You know the way it's sort of like shifting by one semitone each time. You know that, yeah. that's got, there's similarities there, definitely. But yeah, the, the bit that I did manage to find online was uh, I found their press biography from 1996, yeah. uh, which has the excellent quote that a, a single called "White God Sent," and it says, "White God Sent" was given the near maximum 4Ks by Kerrang magazine. Which is obviously Very a exciting. It's a positive score, but in terms of percentage, eighty percent is not near maximum. No, <laughs> especially when they're handing out four point fives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's it's all right. It wasn't really my thing then. Still isn't really. Yeah, I feel a bit bad for them because it's not the best place in on a tape, is it? towards the end of side B of the second tape. Yeah. Of no, like, I feel like bit, I may have yeah. never listened to this because the two Imperial-related songs would have fucked me <laughs> off so much. I can absolutely see that, and I'm sure you weren't alone. I, I, I'm sure there are a lot of people that really would have liked DBH that didn't bother listening that far. Yep. Yeah. And why Why were there two bands called Imperial? What was? Uh, why was that word? popular at that point it's, a, it's quite a strange yeah uh, they probably like their mints uh or did they like uh using imperial level all that yeah could be that what yeah. what should we call the band yeah. well i'm having to think while i'm in the shower uh, <laughs> sucking on this mint. Yeah. standing in the shower thinking as james addiction said right let's go for the final song on the tape okay So this is The Driven and Devil. The Driven were ace. There's another song of theirs that I've got a lot more to say about, but I'm saving that for when it comes up on a Metal Hammer CD that we've got an episode planned for in the future. They had four songs on either Kerrang! or Metal Hammer CDs. Yeah. All of which I loved, but I never found their album anywhere. Mm. And I found out why when doing research for this. For some reason, Polydor Records only released it in France. Oh. You know, they were getting all this hype on CDs in the UK and they're from Ireland, but it didn't get released in the UK or in Republic of Ireland. Ever? It never, never got, got released. released. It's just... That's so strange. Yeah, that France, is an odd one. Yeah, France and a couple of other European countries, apparently. But, yeah, very strange. 
but I might track it down at some point. Monkey in a Cage is the song I really love by them that we'll we'll talk about at another date. But um, I like them; they're great. They really did do DVH dirty, didn't they? Like they did. They don't fit in on this side of the tape at all. I mean, they <laughs> fitted in before the Imperial stuff, maybe, but like just they're just stuck in between some fucking wankness and <laughs> that not particularly enamoring song also <laughs> not that I was like besotted with the DBH track but like I feel like I'd have actually given it a bit of a listen at the time if they put it after pissed on yeah, yeah and then like had the, the yeah that would have they would have definitely probably got more would have been a bit more they, of a flow yeah, as well like right. it would have made more sense but if it, I think flow wise the best place for it to be was swap it with NY loose on or, side one yeah, or that. So it was after Floodgate. Oh, yeah, that would work. And then NY Loose would be on side two. After um, the good songs. <laughs> and after the Imperials. Yeah. But yeah, I like this tape and I listen to it then, but only the second side. <laughs> I think it's a great tape. I think just. Um, if we have to compare, which we don't have to do, but you know, it's always fun to. I just think volume one for me always, always won out just because of that feeder and corn songs. I think the corn song, because it came from Life is Peachy and that hadn't been released yeah. yet. And all I had by corn was the um, the first album and like a couple of B-sides on like a single. So you only really had about like 13 corn songs at that yeah. point so anything else I was just so like oh my god I need to hear new music by this band like I need I, got, yeah. Yeah, it was so I was a bit obsessed I was a bit too obsessed <laughs> I almost considered I actually don't have any tattoos I considered getting a corn tattoo when I was 17 <laughs> and, um, or 16 maybe either way I didn't and I'm thank god I, I think Allah I think every every deity that I don't believe in <laughs> that I didn't get a corn tattoo. <laughs> My God. I can't imagine how bad the corn tattoo a seventeen year old would choose would be <laughs> as well. <sighs> I mean it would have just been like the, the logo with the R backwards, probably right. just the name of the band, but still, my gosh, that would have oh, so I never bad. wanted to get a corn tattoo, but I absolutely at sixteen, seventeen wanted to have my eyebrow pierced and dreadlocks like Jonathan Davis and uh, thankfully didn't <laughs> I remember having a weird conversation so my dad because obviously he's old school he said that I could get a tattoo but I couldn't get my eyebrow pierced I was like what? <laughs> I was like, I was like you, are you mad? I was like if I get my eyebrow pierced it will grow out if I get a tattoo that's forever I think because he's old school and tattoos were like a thing Obviously, in the yeah, 90s, yeah. getting your eyebrow pierced was like, oh, a oh new my thing, God, yeah. eyebrow pierced. Like, mm. Yeah, so new. I remember like the first time I saw an eyebrow piercing, I think it was the Easy Video by Faith No More. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. And Mike Patton had his eyebrow pierced. And that's the first time I ever saw like an eyebrow piercing. I was like, oh, my God, that's so cool. I was <laughs> like, that's amazing. Because you just didn't really see it back then, did you? Like sort of earliest 90s it wasn't really yeah this is true I really wanted one and then someone was like you know there's like a tiny chance of your face getting paralysed and I was like mmm no then (laughs) (laughs) fully no yeah Yeah, I'm alright I quite like my face being fully functional definitely don't want your face to be paralysed no I use my face for all kinds of shit (laughs) 
<laughs> it's quite useful. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it? yeah. Like uh, on a daily <laughs> basis. <certainly> well. <laughs> Indeed. So that brings us to the end of the episode. Then. Yeah. Uh, so, thanks very much for listening, everyone. Um, Stephen, in case people didn't listen last week, I don't know what they're playing at if they didn't. But do you want to tell people again about Grand Back Issues? Go on then. Uh, so, Crying Back Issues. Um, it's a podcast where I just go through old episodes, old episodes, old issues of Kerrang! Um, and I do it uh, chronologically. So I'm currently in 1996, which is why we're talking about this tape this week, uh, moving into 97 next year. Um, yeah, I just sort of pick out bits of the magazine that I like, read it out. It's usually about an hour a week. Um, yeah. yeah, it's really fun. I really enjoy it. Having a, having a great time. Um, come follow us on Instagram. If you want to crank back issues twitter crank pod email crank back issues at gmail.com if you want to send me an email go for it i like to chat obviously <laughs> as it's quite apparent i like to chat the rock and it, it um but yeah look thanks guys thanks for having me on again i really i really enjoy it it's really good fun i, I, I like coming on you know talking about all this old crap it's, it's, it's really fun i really really enjoy it it's been a lot it's of really fun good. thank you very much for doing it and and yeah crank back issues is one of my favorite podcasts i listen to it every week absolutely love it and uh, yeah thanks for for joining us and thanks everyone else for listening bye bye another endearingly shambolic podcast from weedigpodcasts.com Hi, I'm Colin. I'm Ian. And I'm Tracy. And we dig music. Just not always the same music. Each episode, we pick our 10 favourite songs from a specific year, rate them, and then battle it out over a top 30 countdown. Colin's pretty enthusiastic about most stuff, Ian, less so. And Tracy definitely owns a thesaurus. And one of us will regularly be told to fuck off. <laughs> so join us each month to hear what we dig and what we don't. Listen to We Dig Music wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on WeDigPodcast.com or we're on the We Made This Podcast Network, which you can find at WeMadeThisNetwork.com.